to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 406. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me on this just overcast, gray, kind of cold, miserable day in Las Vegas. And Cold Coffee, if I'm being honest with you, I think this miserable, gray, overcast, cold day just kind of sums up what's going on in the world of MMA right now, man. I'm telling you. That is a good way of putting it. That's funny. Yeah. It's like it's like there's a cloud hanging over the start of the year for some reason. I mean, it really it really does feel that way. I, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to get together this week for the first show of 2023, the brand new year. We're going to be we're going to be talking about how much fun we had at Fury Professional Grappling 6. How good Jillian Robertson looked, just absolutely tearing through Rose Nama Yunus. What great matches we had. I figured we'd be talking a little bit about that. And then and then we transition into how just incredible the Bellator versus Ryzen event was. You know, I mean, Bellator got the clean sweep. But as we mentioned going in, I still don't think Ryzen should feel like they took an L for that. They had more people talking about them than ever. People got rejuvenated by that that that. I mean, it was it was a pride event, you know what I mean? We yeah. got to see that again. We got that nostalgia. They were taking the center. I mean, I thought we were going to get to talk about that and bask and all that. And then we'd, we'd start to set up everything that was going forward in the UFC and things that are about to happen this year. Talk about what looks like uh, your possible return to international travel, which is, you know, getting closer and closer by the day. All those things. <laughs> all those things. And we can still touch on them a little bit. But, I mean – you 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 start with the loss of Stephen Bonner on on Christmas Eve and what a, a, a disappointment that was, um, and and just a sad moment. And then, you know, I think about the conversation we had. You know, the last time we remembered being with Stephen Bonner was in in person. You know, Phil Baroni was there as well, right? And yeah. now, Phil Baroni arrested on suspicion of murder, uh, according down to all Mexico. reports out yeah. there down in Mexico. And and that's just I mean just to fathom that to wrap your head around it. Um, Do we put that in motion? Is oh gosh, so <laughs> please tell me we didn't feed that into the world. But that so that in itself is put my head around. And then of course, I mean the Dana White situation and, and the yeah. New Year's Eve incident and and that's all that anybody's talking about right now and understandably so. And uh, <sighs> Dude, it just, I'll be honest with you, man, it just drains me. I'm like, I love this sport, and I love the fights, and I, and, I, and I still am passionate about it. But right now, it just feels like a hard time to, to, to be a fan, man. Yeah, and it's not even just like that, and it's also coupled with um, the NFL, just to put it together, oh. you know, like the whole sports thing. Watching what happened to Hamlin out there, I mean, like, we say this all the time about MMA, you know, like there's going to be a, a point at some point we might see somebody actually die in the cage or right. die immediately after from their injuries. I remember watching that that happen there, and you're just like, holy shit, this is football where we don't really even sort of think about that. We think of maybe head injuries. We think of concussions. We think of little things like that. Watch him make a play, stand up, and then immediately drop, and then to see the, the ramifications after that, it's like, scary. what the hell is going on with the start of this year and, and sports and sports in general? And that's about anything that you can see. You know, for a while there, you know, um, you know, obviously this Dana stuff is, is definitely taking the airways of a lot of these sports channels, but bigger is that focus with the NFL, which makes sense, you know, in, in the sense of the, the real idea of, of – 
life and death and, you know, moments where, you know, we see these athletes going out there for entertainment and we're always like, yeah, great, entertain us, you know, and then the back of our minds, we, we think about how their safety is is paramount and what's going on. Then to actually see it again play out in front of you, like, wow, like, this is real life or death yeah. shit, you know, and it's just kind of, you know, I, I hope the best for this guy. I mean, from, you know, everything that we saw and what he's going through, I mean, he's going to have a hard road back. You know, I hope I hope everything works out. You know, I'm glad that he that we didn't get already bad news at this point. When when I heard that they did the CPR and they had to, you know, we're doing the defibrillation and all the other sort of stuff there on the field. I was like, man, he might not make it through the yes. night. So the fact that, uh, you know, people that are, are religious, your prayers seem to be doing something. People that are putting out good vibes and, and him being a great athlete, he's pushing through. And I hope everything works out with that. But it just this year starting off really effing crazy. You know, we always go into every year hoping for a great starts. And maybe if, if this is getting all the bad shit right out of the way, you know, maybe there's a positive. But if this is setting the tone, um, you know, for this year, it's a very ominous start to what we're seeing right now, you know. But uh, Just a handful of days in. Just a handful of days in. And I just felt like we – you know, I know we don't talk NFL and we don't talk about other no, stuff, but, but it just a, makes a, a lot of sense. It's a story that's big enough to cross over. And it is yeah. one that – and this is, again, we've had this conversation before about, you know, you know, tweeting about something. Like, do you really need to weigh in on something? Are you really adding anything to the conversation? Right. I did tweet that night because I was thinking of exactly what you mentioned. You know what I mean? That – Listen, this is scary. You know, I, I was playing video games with my son actually, and in my group chat, or our CFSC group chat, somebody texted, "Wow, this NFL injury looks real serious." I'm like, "Well, that's a weird. Th- I mean, we don't talk you about don't the really, NFL yeah. and CFSC." Yeah. So I was like, "Let me turn this on. Like, if it's popping up in our group chat, let me." And then, and then you start seeing the enormity of what was going on, and it really it hit me the same way because I've said this several times over the years, but you know, the one that really stood out to me the most, I think, in my entire career was John Hathaway and Macau when Dong Young Kim hit him. And just the sound that it made, the way his body felt, and how lifeless he was, that I actually thought he was dead, if I'm being honest with you. And and for until I could see it, you know, I mean, there's been some scary knockouts, but this one was just different to where you had that hollowness in you where you're like, oh, my God. And, 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 I've, and look, I, I touched Rose on this Dominic before. And, uh, just oh, Garage, that boy, one. that was a bad one, too, right on I, the head, on the, the neck, head. so you like, wonder. I was like, please – Please move. And there are there's there are these reminders that as much as this is a sport, a, a, a game if you want to call it that, but I, I yeah. don't think it is. You know, a sport for sure. It is hand to hand combat. It is martial arts. And when you say these guys are, and gals are putting their health and safety on the line, it's not just you know a little cliche that you're saying there. They really are. They really and, are. And, and I think you, there's those reminders every now and then. And where it always resonates with me is I just think, now granted, they're all doing it for money and it's the job that they've chosen and you can make all those excuses. But just when I see these criticisms and this trash talking to people and the social media insults and all this, and then you get these stark reminders like, don't forget, they can step into that cage. They can step onto that field and never step out again. You know what I mean? And when you when these athletes say, you know, I mean, you think about the glory of, of Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum, you know, he said, I'm ready to die. And you hear guys and say, you know, I'm stepping in there, I'm ready to die. And you have to remember that that is not just them being dramatic. I mean, they really do have to embrace that and encompass that and be prepared that that is an actual real possibility. However, hopefully unlikely it may be, it is an actual very real possibility. It is 
a scary reminder. I mean, I've, I've, I've touched on it before, but, you know, Kevin Ioli, you, you talk with him, he's been ringside for seven different boxers losing their life. And that's just unbelievable. And, and, and fortunately, that sport has tried to take some steps to being safer, you know, increase medical testing, increase understanding of CTE and all those things. And, you know, they went away from the 15-round title fights. And, you know, they take it steps forward. But I will say, you know, the first time – and, and Gosh, I even hate to say this, but it's it's just the honest truth. I don't think it's a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when that we have seen. We have seen it on the smaller stage, of course, but I think there will be a time that we see it at the UFC level or one of these other major levels as well. Um, and it's it's just a scary thought. And, and yes, thoughts go out uh, to, to, to the entire organization and, and to the athlete. I mean, that, that was just a scary situation in the NFL. And as you said, it was like, at first, I was just—I thought for sure, uh, Tamar Hamlin was gone, and then I, and then you hear, okay, no, he's, he made it through the night, and he's he's improving in terms of his respirator percentage and all that. So it's like, okay, great, he's not gone, but then you have to come to the very real understanding that just because he's not gone doesn't necessarily mean that like he's going to be back a hundred percent, and and he, you know, a not even a talk of playing, but B, just having a normal life uh, moving forward. We, we don't know if that's even going to be possible, and right. that's just um, yeah, the fact it's that, impactful, man. You know, especially when people think, oh, well, I hope he can get back to play the game. Like, he got to make sure you can function, you yeah. know, and even like it was, you know, on the, the interview that you were listening to a second ago, you know, there might be the possibility that this, this guy's going to need assistance for the rest of his life. 100%. You know, I mean, it really does uh, make it a very somber, you know, you know, thing where, you know, it, we have to keep kind of keep that in the back of the mind that, you know, while we watch these these sports and these athletes for our little side, you know, when we have downtime, when you have a little bit of life where you can carve out those moments and we watch this and to think that somebody possibly their whole life is going to change in this moment. It just kind of really just brings it down the moment to where you're just like, wow, like every moment is special. Every moment in your life, you know, pay attention to your family, pay attention to your your health, pay attention to. All the important stuff because at any particular moment, you know, something, you know, crazy or out of the blue can change all that, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't, it's such a it's such a crazy, crazy topic. And I feel like I'm like, man, like this is, I feel like going down a rabbit hole. And it's just like, man, I don't want to take the, <laughs> the podcast down into a Debbie. Downer, uh, well, but we we always like, try to make this fun. You know what yeah. I mean? We, so, you know, we're not today, but sometimes we're cracking some frosty beverages. You know, coffee for, right now. for many years, <laughs> for many, many years, it was a consistent every time. Now we've kind of slowed down a little bit as we're both trying to get a little bit better in life. But New, well, New Year's Eve fucked me up. New Year's Eve around Christmas set, set me back. Set you so, back a little yeah. bit. Ah, oh, you know. I can't take hangovers like I used to. Oh, nah. Like, I, I did it, like, uh, Christmas Eve, and I was like, okay, kid, you did okay. And then New Year's Eve, I'm like, I'm not going to drink. And, of course, I ended up drinking, watching, like, Buckeyes and watch the Michigan, and then I got all sad and, like, upset about that. Oh. And I drank for, like, ten hours at a bar. <laughs> And, then, and I can't even make fun of you, dude. And then, and then the next day, I felt like dog shit, and I haven't even thought about even sniffing alcohol since then. Good for you. you. Know? So I'm just at this point, I'm like, okay, you had your fun, but I felt like it set me back for days. Like even just like wanting to get into the gym, I still did, but I feel like poop. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we we try to have fun here, is we're what we're to saying. Have fun. But this story is is big enough, man. I just I, I think this was so impactful for everybody and. Um, it could change. I mean, I think things can change. It, it, it's certainly going to change the things like, you know, some of the things that we're, you know, hearing on that interview. 
about it, brand new players that come in, whether they have the insurance and the means to take care of themselves. I wish not. I could cite it right now, and I've scrolled way past it at this point. It's it's a Cleveland uh, sports talk show host, and yeah. he brought up some incredible points talking about the yeah. fact that, hey, just because he's in the NFL and injured on the field, don't think that that automatically means he's covered for the and rest of covered, his life right. because he's not. And you would assume – that if he gave his body in the line of yeah. service on the football field, that he absolutely is taking care of for the rest of his yeah. life, and it's only the right thing to do. And that carries over to MMA. 100%. What happens if somebody gets maimed or severely injured to where they can't physically uh, handle themselves right. in the cage? What What is set out? There's nothing set out by the UFC. They'll say that they're going to pay for their medical – the medical costume is usually the immediate after the, the fight – but I don't know of anything built in long term right. for their care because we've never actually seen what it. What if somebody is injured such in a fight that they have to be on, you know, medical support the rest of their life, 25, thought, 30 years? I thought Rose. I I was hope when I when when I said earlier I was like I was praying for movement. I was hoping for movement when she took that slam. I immediately thought that she could have been paralyzed the way that she landed on her head. Right. What would have happened at that point? Is the UFC going to step up and say? We're going to provide her with with health care or with a, a care provider for right. the rest of her life. And I've listen, never heard anything like that. I think they would try to do their best. You're talking about a former champion, a very popular figure, a yeah. very. However, yeah. it's I don't know that there's anything guaranteed, and I'm not saying there's not. I've, I have not read the right. insurance and, policy word for word. And you made a good point: a high profile versus right prelim guy. But somebody on the prelims, throw you some bucks. Are they going to get the same treatment? No, right. they're not. And and this to me. And again, I don't know that it will, but this story is big enough in the fact that we're talking about an NFL game and we're talking about health and safety. And it looked to me like the entire sports world is focused yeah. on this and what's what. This is the kind of stuff that would be addressed in a collective bargaining agreement if mixed martial artists could get together and yeah. form an association or union. Now, there's one thing that I've always said, and I've been covering the sport long enough, I've seen enough starts and stops, and I've just kind of lost hope for it because I've kind of just come to the understanding that what's good for Conor McGregor isn't necessarily the same as what's good for Joe Smith off the street yeah. that just trained. And how do you level the play for it to get everybody on the same page? And ultimately, it's because it normally comes down to money. When we're talking about collective bargaining, what are we normally talking about? We're talking about fighter pay. That's what's normally at stake here. But what if we're talking about athlete health and safety and we're talking about, you know, lifelong care? Maybe that's something that would motivate athletes a little bit more to get together and say, hey, man. Let's put together the deal about income and pay, and, and, and we'll put that aside for now. We'll deal with that later. Right now, let's just make sure that we all get on the same page and we figure out some form of, of, of you know, and I don't want to say insurance because that's not the right word, but let's ensure that our, you know, future care is taken care of should we ever get, you know, permanently injured or, God forbid, even lose our lives in the octagon that it's taken care of. And, and again, if I'm just being realist, no, I have not. I, I have kind of lost faith in the fact that everybody will get to be on the same page. But I wonder if this, and this story is far from over, if this could be what gets people together to, to get on the same. If this could be the rallying cry, if this could be the touch point where people say, okay, I know we're not all agreeing on everything out there, but our own health and safety is enough for us to put our differences aside and to get on the same page. I'm not overly optimistic. But it would be a different way to go about it because the, the the financial side of it hasn't been enough to get everybody on the same page, and and I don't know that it ever will be. Yeah, crazy, 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 crazy. But yeah, fuck. How do we transition oh. from that? Well, I know. <laughs> and I, well, I guess I guess we go from that uh, gray cloud, terrible topic, yeah. to now we go to the Dana White incident on New I'm, Year's Eve. Just as gray. I cloud. mean, terrible. I mean, absolutely yeah. terrible. And and listen. 
I, I will come out. Now, first of all, uh, I've already seen all the insults on Twitter. Oh, you're not going to say anything. Oh, you got, you're up his ass. Da, 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 da. It's annoying. It's annoying. But whatever. Um, Does this ass smell like fucking Friday food? Probably so. Probably so. <laughs> um, but listen, I, first and foremost, let me just say, uh, there is absolutely no defending what Dana White did. And to his credit, he came out and said the same thing. You know, he said, look, there's no there's no excuses for what I did. Alcohol was involved. However, that doesn't matter. I think, you know, saying that alcohol was involved might just help speak to the state of mind, but it doesn't make anything right. And, and this crew, and I haven't seen a ton of it, but I have seen a little bit of it where people are saying, well, she hit him first, so it is what it is. Like, no. Yeah. That is that you that is not a legitimate discussion point. That that should not even Now, could you say she hit him first so he you know she's in the wrong? Yeah, and if you want to press charges against her or you want, but you walk away. You don't you don't because yeah. she's aggressive to you does not give you as a man the right to hit a woman yeah. back. You know what I mean? It's 100 she look about 100 bucks, 100 pounds, maybe 110. I don't know what the weight yeah. is. He's a grown ass man. That's what it boils down to. Right. And again, don't be sexist, equality, all that. But let's be honest. That's you know what I mean? Equal. That's not equality. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, you, you just don't. And, and honestly, I mean, you, you shouldn't hit anybody, period. It, it's, you know, special drunken party, whatever the yeah, case may be. Use your words. Yeah. Use, use your, your words. words. Use your words. But uh, I, I will just first and foremost say this there is no excusing what USC President Dana White did. It, it's. It's uh, it was horrible, and it shouldn't be done. And again, if a woman hits you as a man, you gotta walk away. That's just it's period. You gotta walk away. Um, but that said, I'm not of the opinion that he necessarily needs to lose his position because I see a lot of people say, "Gotta get him out of there, man. He can't be in there anymore. He cannot be the president of the USC anymore." I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, let me say this: Let's say he had slapped a female employee in the USC office. Now you gotta go. You know what I mean? Like, that's a work. I don't necessarily tie the two things. Things that happen in your personal life, I, I don't think that necessarily the result of that should mean that you lose your professional life. Now, I know I may be in the, in the, in the minority about that, but, it, but I will say this. That's just the way I feel. I've always felt the way. And if you, if, you, if you go back and listen to any years of this, you'll hear the same thing. I've talked about these incidents that happen outside. I feel they need to be addressed. I feel like you need to be held legally responsible. If she wants to file assault charges, file assault charges. If she wants to file a civil suit, now it sounds like they're going to work that out in their personal life. But I'm saying, yeah. yes, you got to answer for all that. But I don't know that it necessarily means that you got to be pulled out of your job as USC president. That said um, – now, if Disney or ESPN decide otherwise and they say, we don't like that look, we don't want that, I will not argue one bit. That's their responsibility as a company. If they yeah. feel that way, I certainly would not sit here and say that's wrong of them to let him go, but I will also not say that I think they need to let him go or they're making a mistake. That's for them as a company to decide. What I would say is that I would love to see Dana White personally and the UFC as an organization commit some resources his own personal time. Obviously, they got a lot of financial things available to them. To, you know, domestic violence awareness, domestic violence assistance, whatever you can be to, to speak out against domestic violence, to help victims of domestic violence. I mean, 
I'm not saying that you can take this and make it good, but you can at least try to pivot and and and, and make something good come out of it. You know, I mean, I can right. I can see I can see the commercials in my mind of you know UFC athletes just saying you know standing in the octagon and being like, hey, what's okay here, and then flash to somewhere else. It's like it's not okay out here, and I know that's cheesy. Like, I mean, yeah. that may not be the best idea, but you know what I'm saying. And I know a commercial, a public service now. I know that doesn't do, but they can do more, and, and they can do a lot more of it, and so. I do 100%. I, I'm, I, it feels like you have to be on one side or the other, and I guess I'm, I'm just not. On the one hand, I do not feel that Dana White should – I don't think the, the apology from T, at, to TMZ should be enough. Yeah. I don't. I feel yeah. like there should be more about it. But I don't feel like he necessarily has to be outed from his job. There's no way he can continue as USC president. Right. And it just feels like everybody's on one way or the other, either like, oh, dude, it's Dana, and she hit him, like leave him alone, or – B, you know, you got to get this guy out of there. And I think it's somewhere in between. I think he should be absolutely be held accountable. I don't necessarily think he has to be relieved of his duties. That said, if ESPN or Disney decides he does, that's their decision as a company, and, and I can't fault them for it. Me personally, I don't think it needs to happen. And I've said that before. Again, I've, st- I've stayed consistent with this about this. I, I, I don't like bad things that happen outside of work areas, but I don't think that that necessarily should cost you your, your career either. So, uh, I don't know, man. It's just a it's just a shitty situation to be honest with you. And and you know, like I said, I know education isn't necessarily keep like I I mean I teach my kid that like hey man I know yeah. you go train martial arts but you don't get to beat people up on the on the on the on the schoolyard and especially not a woman you know what I mean it's it just it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong but I I don't I don't think it necessarily means like the guy's got to go or the UFC has failed terribly here. Yeah. And, and and it would be interesting. I, w- I would like to see something come from the UFC, at least some sort of statement at some point, just saying something. You know, the fact to just be quiet and let the only thing to be out there be this, this you know, quasi-press release on TMZ and this right. interview that Dana did. You know, I'm glad that he at least stepped up and said something. But it just feels weird that the UFC is not coming out and at least making some sort of point on that. Um but I think you're right. I mean, I think if there is a point where Dana can put some resources, especially his own time and money, yes. into these sort of things, I think that's the best uh, avenue. I'm not sure about the uh, the PSAs with the, the fighters because I think as long as Dana's still at the helm, people are going to be like, this doesn't ring true because you're, you're you have fighters saying one thing, but then you just slap the wrist of your, your president. Um, so, But, I mean, I think it is good that they put money, that they did do something, but I think – if, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, if they want Dana to be gone or whatever, you know, I I don't think by just removing him from his job is going to do anything to help the situation. But I think if he did uh, self sort of step back and step and took some time away and volunteered some time at maybe at a domestic abuse um, center, yeah. maybe him and his wife both go in there. Um, they're definitely when I watched the video, you know, Amish, I first did notice I saw her slap. And I saw him retaliate. But then you watch the video a couple more times. You see her sort of having a moment. He comes over. He grabs her. She slaps him after he grabbed her pretty strongly. So then it's like, okay, did she initiate it? Or was she just responding to him? You know, that definitely looked like there was a moment where something that – an argument that was definitely alcohol-fueled got crazy and out of hand. But regardless of whatever, if she slapped you, the – you just don't retaliate back. Just suck it up and have one of your friends separate you two. You right. don't immediately lash back at it. But I would think it'd be a great move if Dana was not the active face of the company right now. Do I say he doesn't need to be the president? No, I'm just saying don't go out and go to press conferences. Don't yeah. go out and do – don't do any PR work unless it's you going out 
and saying, hey, by the way, I'm going to this domestic violence thing and we're going to spend mm. some time. I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to donate some of my own money um, to this thing. I, you know, I want to go, you know, me and my wife are going counseling. I would love to see yes. a thing saying yes. that him and his wife are going counseling. But what I don't need is him coming out and promoting UFC 283 or promoting, you know, the event in Brazil. I don't think he should travel to Brazil, even though he said he was going to go to Brazil. I think his his time and his focus should be on this and, and covering this. Um, but that doesn't mean he is going to do him any good for just him to lose his but see, job. I think the caveat that you laid there is perfect. Because right, I, I heard some, and I saw like Kevin Oli had a call me. He's like, I think Dana should step away briefly, right? Yeah. And I started thinking about that. And I understand what he's saying. Like, and, and, and to his point, Kevin is trying to say he should be held accountable, right? right? But I started thinking about what does that mean he steps away? There's events he doesn't go to now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not So it's like stepping away. Okay, so what? Dana just doesn't show up. So what? It's not like, okay, but it's, hey, but we're suspending him without pay. So what? You know what yeah. I mean? He doesn't. So that's what kind of bothered me about people saying he needs to step away and be out of the limelight. I'm like, well, what does that accomplish? There's events that he doesn't go to now. It's not like it, it would be any different. Yeah. But what you said is spot on. He doesn't. He he steps away for a little while, and in the meantime, while he's doing that, the appearances that are made are, yeah. Hey, by the way, we're going yeah. to counseling. Hey, by the way, I'm going. Yeah. Can you imagine? No, fuck it, Fridays, dude. I I don't, you know none of don't uh, if you don't if you know now you know. My, like, stop all that stuff. St- I agree with that. Stop that stuff for a while. My my wife, uh, person. My wife is very involved in the community here in Las Vegas, and twice. In the last month or so, and maybe it picks up around the holidays or stuff because people are together. I don't know. But twice she's had to – and I'm not names or anything, but she's had to solicit, like, food and clothes and, and household items for women who have had to get out of abusive relationships. You yeah. know what I mean? And have made the decision to leave their house. And in both cases, it was for the safety of their child, which is scary. I mean, the, the oh, my God, I'm going to get emotional now. Like, my wife talking about it, like – Hearing that a kid is scared of his dad, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's bad. You yeah. know, that's really bad. Um, but to, to the point is that, you know, you have these shelters, and you know, you right. have these. Can you imagine the amount of, of resources that the UFC and Dana White personally could lend to situations like that, right. where people can get back up on their feet when they have to right. step out? That's what I want to see. Not pull him out of the UFC. That I, that's what I don't get. That guy needs to go from the UFC. What does that accomplish? Right. It doesn't make anything in the world better. It's just you're saying that that guy's out. Do something that makes I, I, that I don't makes know, an actual difference. That makes a difference. That can do right. something good in the world. I think there's a way to do that. You know, and I mean, it would ugh. certainly be a better spent time. But uh, I I agree with. I mean, like he, he just needs to step away. I mean, that doesn't mean you can't match make behind closed doors. You can't have your, your board meetings and can't do all the other stuff that you need to do to run the company, but focus on what matters. If you're going to be out publicly facing, you need to be covering and fixing this, this, what happened. You need to one, fix your relationship, fix, um, you know, just the public face. Cause in the sense you just, you just put a huge mark on his, his career, his legacy. Um, and not that people are like, oh, who cares about Dana's legacy? I mean, but just as anybody, as a person, you make mistakes in your life. If you could fix your mistakes and try to, overcome that um you're going to do a lot of good so yes. i mean i think if he can not worry about like as i jokingly said like the fuck it fridays the but who you know so whatever tr- but like so just tone stay deaf, right? away from that stuff yeah it'll be tone deaf thing, right now the last thing you want to do next week is see a fuck it friday or like a uh you know uh if you don't know now you know it's like bro the, uh, because then all the memes are like well bro what don't we know what don't what don't we know goes on at home 100%. you know all this other stuff again i i don't i don't I agree. I don't think just having him walk away is enough because 
what does that really do to help the problem? It doesn't do anything to fix the problem. Yeah. All it does is somebody's like, ha ha, yeah, we got him, we got one, we got him, we got him. I would rather him just take time away from the daily day to day operation. Yeah, would that change the culture of the promotion? Would that help improve right. anything? Would that? No, no you got You just have a very rich man who will live in his extravagant yeah. life anyway. It, right. It, would he be any more encouraged to actually, you know, if it's like, hey, we're going to let you stick around, but you got to do this to show us you're serious about this. You know, you got to go to counseling. Right. You got to take part in community service. Like, that to me is way better than saying, you know what, dude, you're out. Now go take your super wealthy ass and go sit on your yacht and, 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 yeah. and, and regret all of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'll be all right, thanks. No. Prove to me you want to stick around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what would be great is if, if they immediately just jumped on it and started doing that, this people would stop talking about it. Right. It's going to keep – it's going to be on the airwaves. It's going to be – people are going to be talking about because people are like, we don't – people are just mad. People are angry. People saw something that totally disgusts them. And they want to see a fix to it. Right. So the UFC needs to get out and about in front of it, and Dana needs to get out and about it and do something about it more than what he's already done. I mean, you can't just go to TMZ and be like, okay, well, I said enough. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week's fights. You know, like that's not enough to placate, you know, the masses and placate the people that want to see something. I mean, it, it's hard to it's hard to take a blind eye to it, especially when this is the guy that has said in the past, you know, like there's one thing you don't do and this is it. You yeah. Know? The I one mean, the one thing about that, and, and I will say this, and obviously he said it, you don't get you don't come back from putting your hands yeah. on a woman. Right. But then we've seen it happen over. Like, oh, yeah. see, now that would be a different situation if, if really, you know, because everybody points to that hardline quote and says, Dana, this is yeah. what you said. You got to abide by it. But the UFC has never abided by that. Yeah. Now, had had the UFC all these years had just been like domestic violence done right. out, you're gone. We don't put up with that here. If they had taken that that hardline stance and then Dana does it and they go, ah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. a little. Then at that point. You got it. nope. Sorry, you have you have you have totally said that you don't stand for this. Yep. But he took that quote, and then over the years it didn't pan out that way. So that to me is why it's like, well, let's be honest. It's not like they ever abided by that. If they did, then I would say 100%. If you fired everybody involved in the sport that had a domestic violence issue, then you now have to fire yourself. Yeah. It's, it's just oh man, it's fired up because I mean I grew up you know and it's fun. Well, not funny. I say it because I feel like. You got to say that before you start getting the emotional sort of stuff. I grew up in an abusive household that my parents separated because of alcoholism. So, I mean, like, that shit changes you when you're around that sort of stuff. So you want to you want to provide a platform that helps people out there that are possibly seeing this and giving them a way out. And if there's any possible way to make a good thing come out of this shitty thing, the UFC needs to look at doing that sort of thing. Dana needs to look at that and step up and do that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously there's going to be discussions and there's talks that happens within their family, and that's fine. I don't need to know about all that sort of I stuff. I agree. But I would love to know that, you know, Dana's doing something to help other people that might be stuck in a shitty situation that have to deal with some of that sort of stuff. And you're right, you know, with the women, a lot of the shelters, there's tons of women's shelters. In fact, Age and H, like, she grew up, there were parts of her life where she actually stayed at a women's shelter mm. because of an abusive relationship with her uh, stepdad or whatever at the time. So, like, those those sort of things have always sort of been a big thing in my life. So when you see something happen, just because this guy is, in a sense, the biggest thing after Conor McGregor in the sport when it comes to name, you just want to see the right thing sort of happen, you know. Find some way to make a positive out of something that is a terrible, terrible situation. And... Making rash judgments and just you know, you know, putting your your 
kicking your pitchfork on your, your flaming thing and want to go burn the house and chase the monster out, just getting that quick reaction isn't going to get the most benefit and fix the most people outside of, uh, of this imi- initial situation. Mm-hmm. There's thousands and I'm, thousands and thousands and thousands of households that are dealing with domestic violence and other stuff. If there's a way that they can make some sort of a positive to affect change that can help others – Fuck, maybe we can get something good out of this situation. And Dana is a very public figure, man. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of people look up to him. You know yeah. what I mean? And it is, I, I, again, I applaud him for saying there's no excuses. This is inexcusable. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Thank I messed God up. He came out and said something. I applaud right him for that. I applaud him for that. Yeah. But I agree. It's not enough. Let's see what we can do from here. I'm not yeah. calling for your head. Right. But let's, let's, if you're going to stick around, let's do something good about it. You know, and fair enough. We'll see how it plays out. Now, uh, secondary by far. By far. But if you're TBS, can you still put on the Power Slap League? I mean. It doesn't have his name on it anymore, and maybe they could go. I'm right? sure I'm sure he's all in it in terms of editing. I don't know how. They, you know, it was Dana White's thing. Eventually they took his name out of it, so it's just the Power Slap League. But I got to think that, the, that his, his – his, I mean, he's got to be in, in scenes there. He has to I be doing – I, I haven't seen any of it yet. Uh, yeah, I haven't either. But I can, I can see where they can completely make that show and him never actually have to be any part in it. I could see where like the, re-edit it and just re, if, there's if, anything, if he was in it just if he re-edit was even it. In it. I mean, I could see where, like, I didn't even think about that. I didn't expect to see him in any episode. Hmm. I could see where, yes, maybe they they thought, well, man, it's not going to work the same without you. But if they're taking his name off of it, my thought is that he has no actual physical part in the show. Yeah, and there might that might be by design, you know, where they wanted something that that stands alone and separate and not completely tied to the UFC. Right. Everything that has Dana in it, it's hard for them to not say this is a UFC thing. Right. I think they wanted to build this and have legs that where it could live on its own. So yeah, I'm thinking that maybe it can be okay. I mean, it's just unfortunate. It sucks because people are already making that the connection between right. the two, the slap and the slap. Um, I don't know. There's people that hate it. Regardless, I, I get yeah. that. I'm just saying. I just if I just wonder if this is one of those situations where even TBS is like, oh my god, like isn't we TBS can't the same network that has like zombie, the their big The Walking Dead, isn't that TBS? I think that's AMC, isn't it? Oh, AMC. I don't know. I haven't watched it in a while. But I mean, I like, know. I mean, I can see where a network might be like, uh, but if if they're gonna say, well, you know. This isn't really his product. I mean, yes, it's by the same company, but his name's not on it or whatever. I don't know if I'd see them just walk away from it. Maybe they will, but, I mean, they've been really planning on it. I can see where they'll make some justification to say, well, you know, it's not really his thing, you know, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But you never know. They could. I guarantee a lot of the other people involved, if that did, would be very, very upset. Mm-hmm. Pilgrim, Ari, all those cats, man. They've done a lot of time and effort to build this thing. Um, I think that probably shows a lot of things going forward for any other pet project they maybe want to start. You know, how much involvement do they, you know, how much in the forefront do they want to have them attached if this doesn't get fixed, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, There's a reason why they had Dana part of it because he is that face. He's been the face. I mean, he's been out there. Thrown it in everybody's face at every other UFC event, you know, promoting it, promoting it, promoting it. I could see why they needed it, but it's certainly uh, – that's got to be something on the back of their mind. Like, you know, wow, you know, can we do big project launches like this if we know we can't completely – if our house isn't in order? Yeah. You know? uh, I will say, by the way, uh, there is a UFC event, of course, here in Las Vegas next week at the UFC Apex. Yeah. Um, that nobody if, seems to be caring about. If, yeah. If – Dana White 
does show up to the pre-fight or post-fight, I do intend to ask him about this. I will say this, uh, to your point, I agree that um, in terms of where him and his family stand, I don't really think that's any of our business, so I won't be asking necessarily about I, – I don't know, maybe – I mean – he said that they've already made amends. I don't know that yeah. I necessarily need to ask about his personal life, but I would like to ask, hey, you know, this is the first time we've seen you since the incident. We got your apology the first night. What have you done in the time since to kind of move this yeah. forward or, you know, to, to maybe make adjustments in your own life? You know, I, I don't know that you necessarily, you know, have you resolved this with your family? I mean, he did say he was worried about his kids, so maybe you could say, you know, is the relationship okay with the children? But to be honest with you, like, that seems a little bit like, ah, I don't need to know that. That's your personal life. But what what have you done professionally, and are you intending on taking any steps? And, you know, hey, we know there's a, a fighter uh, code of conduct. You know, did that apply to you in this position? And, you know, was there any thought of what the company might do in terms of how they react to this, or did you think about something that you could maybe self you know, uh, regulate yourself, so to speak. So, I mean, if he's there, I certainly intend on asking. The next big event is Brazil. As you said, he had promised to go to Brazil um, because they are launching the new TV deal. It's the return there in a long time. We'll see if that stays true. Um, I don't know. The, the, the criticism online about, like, ah, oh, you soft-ass journalist. Like, we're all asking to talk to him. Like, he's not doing interviews right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I, don't, I don't think he's going to be there. And he really shouldn't. He's got other things he needs to be taken care of. This fight, I mean, like, at this point, the fight's done. Right. What do you, Dana doesn't need to be there on fight night. That's why we've seen he's able to show up on some. Well, that's what I said. Like for him to step away, no, I'm like, no, what does that mean? Yeah. Everybody else does everything. He needs. He needs to. He needs to be away from the public eye right now. You know, he just needs to stay away and work on the things. And if he does come, you know, I think it makes sense to give him the platform to say something. I personally don't need to dive deep, deep down, because one, I have my own internal issues that I, I the, the material's just not comfortable for me, right. because it brings up my own memories of shit, right. um, but it doesn't mean I'm going to not record it if somebody asks the questions, you know, and, and it should be good to give them that platform, but I mean, do we need to be that guy that, that couldn't drop the steep Amy Ochick, you know, heavyweight question in the back <laughs> to just be a, just to be an ass, you know, and keep driving, because then at that point, then the, then the night just shuts down, you know, because right. then at that point, you know, we might not get any other answers. I mean, I think you got to ask it if he shows up, but also don't drive it to the point where nothing else is able to be asked because he'll get upset and just leave or whatever. And I'll say this, and I think anybody that listens to this podcast probably knows because we've talked about this a little bit before, but like press conferences are the worst place to ask a, yeah. a question where you want a real answer, okay, yeah. for a number. Now, I will say the, the post-fight ones, like at the Apex where it's a little bit smaller, or even at the pay-per-views where it's just yeah. where it's not the big audience thing. But when you're talking about the big stage, the dais, the crowd, that is the worst place to ask yeah. a question if you want a real answer. Number one, Dana can't hear very well. And he can kind of use that as an excuse to just be like, ah, what? I don't even, yeah. you know, and just and give a different answer. The other thing is, the crowd will start booing because they support Dana more than they support you asking that yeah. question. So they're going to start booing. Maybe the fighters will be like, ah, come on, let's move so on. And you'll never follow up. So, exactly. Never so, follow up. And, then, and then, right, and then yeah. the next time somebody gets in a one-on-one -on -one situation, he can just be like, I already addressed that at the press conference. It's like, yeah. well, no, you didn't. So I, I don't know. Hopefully anybody that's that's watching here, like if, if, if for whatever reason he doesn't show up next week, if for whatever reason he is at the press conference and somebody doesn't ask him at the press conference, I will say – I kind of understand that because it's the worst possible place to get an actual real yeah. answer out of him. But the next time he does appear in public, I do completely agree. There should be a follow-up. The, 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 the TMZ interview wasn't enough. It, yeah. it just wasn't. And we need to know what are the next steps moving forward. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 
Oh man, I mean, there's no even. Did you did you watch uh, Fury Grappling? Did you watch Bellator versus <laughs> I did, Rising? Did I you did watch the Fury Grappling? The Bellator? Uh, no, I'm one of the ones that got spoiled because of the the uh, teasers and everybody letting it out. And then the next day, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna go ahead and watch it. And then I was like, Well, I don't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, It's already over. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, Oh, I could get that. And I was like, eh, I don't care. Yeah, you it's know? it's so weird though, right? Like even though stuff that we care about, like when it's not live, it's like. Yeah. Eh, I got other stuff going on, and I feel I so bad. I cared about when it happened. I was like, "What? Should I try to pirate? Should I whatever?" And I was like, "Just stop." Oh, I got yeah. into I got into such a, a battle, and I was I was on a plane, and I needed to be sleeping because I was still up from the grappling event on the way home. Yeah. I dude, I, I fell asleep at like five o'clock on New Year's Eve, dude. I, that's gone for yeah. the night. I'd been up for like thirty six hours, uh, but I, I, got, I was still drinking at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got into it. I saw Ohio State lost by one point. Right? Oh, was it was it entertaining? It dude, had to be. We, tense. We we're up like. We at one point we had like a fourteen point lead. We Late? lost like in the fourth quarter. Oh, heartbreaking! Oh, so, you're, so you're like, you're like, what time's the national championship game again? I, I gotta everybody block like, it out on my calendar. Well, part of everybody was like, I was uh, part of us. You know, most Buckeyes were like, man, we're not getting blown out because we were going in that one like, just please don't blow us out. Right. Don't make it embarrassing. And then all of a sudden we're like, holy cow, we might win this thing, you know? And then universe going to universe mm. you know but uh no it was a great game even the michigan game before that was a really really good game so they were both really good games uh big 10 represented but man yeah we fell short at the end and i was just heartbroken i mean it came down to a, like a 50 yard field goal and the guy got a bad uh, bad hold and then the the kick was even worse it was like flying like horizontal spinning it was just as soon as it left we were just like ah. <sighs> <laughs> and I was like, another beer please oh man in fact give me a tequila to go with it that's then, crazy yeah. man that's crazy dude I, I saw the score and i didn't see any of the game whatsoever and i was like oh no cold coffee is gonna be heartbroken I man was, i was bummed um but yeah so i was getting into it on, on on twitter because i saw a lot of people coming at bellator for, for like i can't believe bellator screwed this up and they put this on tape delay and i'm like guys you realize that nobody at bellator was like hey showtime can you do us a favor? We really don't want this thing to air live. Can you please make sure that it airs via delay? I mean, there's television contract. First of all, it's a Showtime deal, number one, but it's also a Ryzen deal, number two. They have their own TV deals out there. They're trying to sell pay-per-views. You know, even though these are the hurdles of co-promotion that we talk about, that we say, hey, man, co-promotion is awesome, and we stand for it, of course, and we hope that it happens. However, please do understand you know that these are the type of business operations that make this thing difficult. So I don't know. I I was just trying to jump up there and be a white knight for Bellator or whatever, but I just felt bad that everybody was kind of hammering them. And I'm like, dude, I know everybody at Bellator right now can't say a damn thing publicly, but in their heart, you know, they were all like, you don't think we want this thing on live as well? But you know, <laughs> but we can't. But but I I love the event, man. And and um I don't know. I thought the the cautionary tale that that you gave last week was so spot on. Where it's like. Because I said coming in, look, I think I think this could be a Bellator sweep. Although I do think that Archuleta and McKee are in for the toughest fights. I think it played out that way. I think that that proved to be the case. Um, but it went five zero. But I, you know, you said it spot on, which was if it goes five zero either way, don't slam the other organization. You know what I mean? Like good on them that they all agreed to do this. And um, I did watch it via tape delay. I will say. Uh, it certainly did take the excitement out of it. You, you're, you're 100 right. Uh, avoiding spoilers it, it it was impossible. is impossible. Well, especially if you have your own messaging chat from your coworkers. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I can't turn that off. And I was like, well, I give up. I give up. Um, 
you know, we did talk last week uh, about the co-promotion thing. We talked about uh, – I just thought it was kind of interesting because a day ago this article came out about why Dana doesn't co-promote and stuff. And uh, Bloody Elbow came up with an article yesterday uh, talking about uh, an interview that McCarthy did where uh, they asked uh, why Dana doesn't do um, – co-promotions and he said he did try it with pride right back with chuck liddell and yep. rico rodriguez and that and things like that and he didn't get anything returned they said oh we're gonna send over sakuraba they never did and so he was like i got burned i'm not gonna allow someone to burn me again 100 percent. you know 100 so just kind of like what we said before one he knows they're the, they're the a side and doesn't need to do it but i mean you you put your all your heart in that and that was probably something he put his heart and soul into especially back in those days oh yeah he probably was like dude this is the greatest thing ever and then had it completely shit on him, and then he was just like, "Never again." Yep. It's like getting, you know, that that first time a woman breaks your heart, and you're like, "I'm never, never going to open up my heart again. <laughs> I'm never going to love again." So true. So you know. true. Nah, but I I, I praise Bell Torrid Riser for doing this, and I hope it leads to more co-promotions throughout uh, the sport because I think yeah. it's only great. And it was so great to see the whole, you know, end of year thing and just how excited everybody was. I mean, Archuleta's walk in was something yeah, else. Yeah, McKee with the $100,000 samurai suit. suit. I was like, what? That shit was dope. <laughs> it did look good. It I don't was know. Dope. I, was like, I don't know if it looked 100K good. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, if he wore that as Halloween for the rest of his life, he's still not going to get $100,000 worth out of he it. He did say, so I interviewed him this week. I know he talked to a lot of people, but he did say, and, and I don't know if he repeated it everywhere. I know he mentioned the $100,000 suit, but he said that like he's going to set it up in his man cave, and he said he got like – all the athletes to autograph like the the book like and, and he's gonna cut the pages out with their autographs and like oh, frame nice. it behind it and Thank like God you said book I was gonna say if they signed the suit I would just be like <laughs> bro <laughs> sit down let's talk let's talk about yeah. value and keeping things with a value oh like, no man so uh, it was cool man uh, AJ McKee he, w- he wanted to go all out and, and he did it so yeah good for Bellator man they showed up man and I know Coker you could see in his face just oh, how proud he was. Proud, he was. Yeah. Dude, that trophy that they had at the end, how effing cool was that? Now, okay, now this is going to be silly of me, right? But as they're sitting there, the the thought that did cross my mind is, how the hell do you get that home? Oh, you don't. <laughs> it just stays there? It's going to stay there. <laughs> okay. I would imagine – well. It, Maybe they'll change it. Maybe that'll be the trophy that passes. But right. I mean, like, I mean, granted, yes, yeah, silly. They they have the means they could chip it back. But I mean, like, geez, I, I know the cost of delivering the trophy. Just like, here, why don't you just leave it here and yeah. just just know that my engrave my name on it and keep it here. You keep know, it, and we'll, we'll just trade it every year. You know, go back and forth. We'll just change the plate or something. You know um, what's gonna be funny is so here here's what's gonna be. Interesting. I'm interested to see because it did feel like there was positive fan reaction about this. Like people were excited about yeah. it. That's what they were. Now when Rising comes to the U.S. Do you think there's even going to be close to the amount of excitement? Because at that point, you're no longer talking about fighting in a ring. You're no longer talking about being in Japan on New right. Year's Eve. Now you're just talking about five dudes from this Japanese organization it's the coming of over. The organization. It's the strength of the promotion. Yeah. Like they, were, they were in the perfect area that had a, a, a great fan base. And that's what we said about the co-promotions, being able to introduce somebody to your fan base. Ryzen's got a huge fan base over there. Bellator, you come back to the States, then it's back to the number two. I know. You know, I mean – just look at any Bellator fight. It's not like at a Bellator event. Their great big tentpole events are very, very cool. Adding Ryzen fighters is not going to change gonna do anything it. for it. It's not going to change that level already because most people were like, who? I know. 
You know, I know. I would love to see it, and I mean, and it makes sense just to be. In it just dawned on me. Think about that. Forth, I, yeah, because I mean, they want to come over here. Because hey, we want to do it in a Bellator cage, but it really did dawn on me. Maybe they should go back over to Japan and have Bellator put on the event in Japan. Maybe that would be the better that play. That would be a better play. Like, hey, it's a Bellator cage. We're doing the yep. production. We're doing our stuff, but it's in Japan. That that, that be might play. be the better play, right? Because then, then, then no there would still <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then no take delay because yeah. it's their event. Because it's Bellator's event. That's I think that's probably the play. That would be the smarter play. If you bring him to the United States, I agree because I, I was like the whole thing about this event was it was awesome in theory and yeah. all that, but every, at the end of the day, most people didn't really know who the opponents that's, were. That's you know what I mean. One hundred percent. So if you bring him back over here, I I just 100%. don't think it'll work. I don't think it'll work. I think it makes sense to keep it to keep it over there, but yeah, to swap who's actually in the. But league. we get and to air it live. It's our cage. It's yep. our production. It's on Showtime. It's whatever. It might be tough. I mean, because they might still try to push back. Like, when, you know, without our market, without our broadcast deals, is it really going to do well in the state as well? Because right. all that lead up and stuff is going to be on the networks over there. Yep. You know, it's not like they're going to be like, okay, we're going to show up. We're going to we're going to have this event here, but all the promotion is going to be over in the states. They're still going to be promoted in the same partners and stuff over there i mean it's gonna be a tough but i do think for the better chance for them to have any sort of legs to make it worthwhile it's got to be over there i agree it's got to be over there i agree i think that's the way to do it uh, i will say if you didn't check out fury pro grappling six do that it was a fun event man it was fun so many ufc athletes on the card and and uh just have a good time we ended up with some we ended up with some drama behind the scenes, man. There was a, a, a little weigh-in confrontation that Phil Rowe – I think you know, Phil Rowe's Instagram clip of this thing is up to like 7 million views, which is crazy. So uh, it was it was a lot of fun, man. Definitely I think it's worth checking out the replay, especially since, look, we still got another week until major events. There are uh, There's an LFA this this week on Friday. There is uh, Muradov Pro Fight League is on USC Fight Pass as well. The debut of that organization from over in Uzbekistan is this weekend. But the real major uh, events don't don't start until next week, so so maybe it's worth uh, checking out your time. Now, listen, I, I you know I've been going back and forth on uh, my ideas as to whether or not we should be be airing guest interviews and that sort of thing. Uh, but I wanted to share this one with you because um, I had a chance to speak to Jeremy Lucha, who is somebody that I have known for a long time, who's a manager uh, working with uh, Iridium Sports. And uh, I met him years and years and years ago, over a dozen years ago, as part of uh, Tachi Palace fights. I actually uh, broadcast a couple of events out there, and, and we covered it in the early, early days of MMA Junkie. Um, and so what I wanted to do was play it because I think there were some really interesting discussion points to be had um, about the business as a whole and just, man, th- what it takes to get athletes from um, something small to, to, um, to something big, you know, which is really a passion of his, and, and you'll hear about this. I, uh, I, I I love the passion he brings to the table because it, it, it really mimics my own in a lot of ways. I, I think, you know, finding grassroots athletes and seeing them chase their dream, that's what we get to do at CFFC. I absolutely love it. Uh, so here is uh, my conversation with Jeremy Lucha. It is uh, my old friend, Jeremy Lucha, the managing partner of Iridium Sports Agency. And Jeremy, man, you have played, I think, pretty much every role there is to play in this sport. But uh, – Man, did you ever see yourself being in the position that, that you're in now? Was this something you were ever working towards? Not something I was working towards. I just really, when I first started doing MMA, I just kind of just enjoyed the people and, you know, and enjoyed the sport and just made a lot of friends and it kind of made work real easy. You know what I mean? It's funny that you say that because I always joke with people that I've done everything in MMA minus ring girl. <laughs> <laughs> you you have man and it's crazy right the, the way this journey started is, is it accurate 
you were a reporter at the time and you took an amateur fight just to write about it and 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 that's what triggered all of this yeah i was i was a reporter for the hanford Sentinel newspaper uh christian printup would often call and look looking for sports coverage i mean this is 15 16 years ago you know what i mean there wasn't a lot of mma sports coverage at the time um and one of the days he just was like hey man i got this idea you know we're gonna have you train for a fight um you know what i mean you could you could record it in the newspaper and i was like man i don't know you know i've, I've never done anything remotely close to this i was a, a football guy you know what i mean soccer and stuff um you know and i reached out to my editor and he was like man it's a great idea you know like you, you should do it so i actually um i actually trained for 18 months and i lost i think like 60 pounds um and trained for 18 months at several different gyms I did like a lot, lots of, you know, different types of storylines along the way during that time. And I actually fought professionally my first fight. Um, so, you know, and then I did it, I did it two other times and then it got, it got beyond the point of it being a story anymore. You know, like if I'm going to continue doing this, I need to really devote time to it. And I just didn't have the time cause I had kids. So I was just like, man, you know, let me move on to something else. You know what I mean? In the sport and see if I could do it. And at that time, Christian asked if I would come uh, work, at the at Tachi in their events department and you know kind of specialize in mixed martial arts for them so that's what I did and, and obviously that's where our paths first crossed with the Tachi Palace fights I mean obviously the legendary former home of the WEC but then you guys were operating events and and by the way I mean you know we broadcasted a few of them when I was still with MMA Junkie at the time and mm -hmm. I thought we put on a couple of really really good cards but man can you just talk about because I think there's a, probably a, a general well I know there is a generation of people that just don't understand that's kind of like hallowed ground man I mean there <laughs> were some amazing fights out there what what was what was that uh, you know time of your life like for you I mean honestly like um I I kind of didn't know what was going on, right? Like, it was Christian left the palace, and they were like, hey, we need someone to continue doing MMA. And I had only been working there for maybe eight or nine months, you know what I mean? And I, and I was still very new to the sport. Um, so I kind of liken it to, like, I got to, to kind of learn on the job and learn it as a fly as I went. But at the same time, there was lots of tradition there. You know what I mean? I had lots of people, lots of people's brains that I could pick. You know what I mean? And, you know, and, and people were very serious about like, hey, don't mess us up, man. You know what I mean? There's a lot of tradition here. The fights have been going on for a long time here. We expect high level fights here, you know? And so I just did a lot. Of, I just immersed myself in like lots of video. And I started watching video of fights all over the country. And I would just scout guys and try to get guys to come out to Tachi to fight. Cause I wanted the best guys possible there, you know, and it was a little different setup there, you know, um, it's kind of like, uh, you're, you're, it wasn't my money, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's the casino's money. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, it was designed as a marketing tool, not really as, um, you know, a guy, you know, so the, the budget was different. You know what I mean? We're able to spend money on fights and get guys to come compete there. And, and it made sense to put super high level UFC quality fights, on there you know because we were able to pay guys um pay guys well enough to do that you know so um it was it was a really exciting time but i also just remember it was you know i was a little bit of an asshole back then <laughs> because you know <laughs> what i mean like i really didn't know what i was doing and it was like you know it, i think over time I, I learned to a lot of compassion and stuff like that for the guys and managers and, and fighters and things like that you know what i mean so a lot's changed for me since that time frame
I love it. Hey, we had the best flyweight division in the world for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And that was one of Christian Printup's babies. You know what I mean? That was something that he really wanted to have there. And it just so happened through that process, I got to meet a lot of those guys and they were great guys. And I was just like, man, I'm going to continue this. You know what I mean? I'm going to continue to try to try to push for this division. Pretty incredible, man. It's it's still, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's still one of my favorite divisions. Now, obviously no longer with that organization, but you still are promoting fights at this point, right? 559 fights. Uh, look, not an easy job, right? The job of promoter and, and running an organization, you know, at any level. But, I mean, is that something that you've done, you know, as a business interest or, or more of a passion interest? I do it strictly for the community, and I do it strictly for my staff at this point, you know? I never thought that I would get to the position that I am uh, with Jason at Iridium to where like you could, you could actually make money as a, a, a like a lit, make a living doing this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't really need to do five, five, nine fights anymore, but you know, the people that have been with me for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, um, those people do still need it. You know what I mean? So, um, and I think it's, it's something that, that, that the community still needs. There's not a lot of fights in the area anymore. Um, uh, I know that A1 is coming back and doing a show at Tachi, but you know there hasn't been a lot of professional fight, fights in the area, and it's just something I just I, I I really love and enjoy developing talent. Like that's my that's like my passion, and so to be able to work with guys at the lowest of levels and say, hey man, getting your blood work on time might be the most important thing you do this fight camp. You know what I mean? Or hey, you know. Uh, you know, speaking to this media outlet and being being there on time for an interview might be one of the most important things that you do this fight camp. I think there's so much more to mixed martial arts than going to practice every day, eating right, weighing in and fighting. You know what I mean? And people really just don't know um, how important all the things outside of that can be to a promoter, which is the guy that's paying you. Right. And the guy that wants you on the shows. You know what I mean? So I really try to give my guys at Five Fun and Fights an inside look on what promoters are really wanting so that it can develop good habits so that when they do go fight professionally, you know, I always have promoters call me up like, man, this is the most professional guy in the card, man. His medicals were done the three days after he signed his contract, you know? So those are the types of guys that I try to build and, and, and create for uh, not only Iridium, but, you know, moving on to, to the next level as well. That's so awesome, man. That's such great insight, man. And that's the truth. That's, that's, it's maybe not the most exciting part of the sport, right? But it's such a, a valuable part of it. And you talk about developing talent. I mean, you guys have placed over 100 athletes into the UFC, which is pretty phenomenal. And I think you touched on a lot there, but I guess I, I kind of want to ask you what – I guess your mindset is, your approach. Like, how do you guide? Because, boy, there's – I think there's a big difference between just, you know, getting a guy fights and, and, and finding them a place to compete versus actually – managing somebody's career and developing right. them, right? There's a huge difference there. So I guess, you know, you touched on some of the important things there, but what is kind of your mindset, your philosophy, and how you guide somebody from regional level to I'm going to get them into the UFC or one of the other major organizations? Right. I think the special thing about Jason and I when we came together was that there were so many high-level managers at the time that were dealing with the top, the top of the top, the cream of the crop guys, right? So to find where our value was and where we could, um, you know, kind of carve out our little spot in, in the MMA world was really focusing on developing talent at the regional level. And to Jason's credit, it was kind of his vision at the time and just something I was passionate about. We went all in on that. 
You know what I mean? And I think going all in on, you know, hey, we're not going to chase after the 10 and one guys. We're going to try to get with this one and oh kid or, you know, this two and oh kid or whatever the case may be. You know, we, we went all in on that. And so really it was about developing relationships, right? Starting to work with guys when they're young, when they actually need the help. I mean, a guy doesn't really need that much help getting into the UFC when he's 10 and 0. A guy needs help when he's 1 and 0. You know what I mean? So really at that time, you know, and, and even to this day, you know what I mean? Our focus is on, hey, let's find the high quality characters, guys that are gonna that are willing to invest in getting medicals done on time, guys that are willing to invest in learning how to speak to the media, you know, working on their social media skills all these other aspects outside of fighting, you know, and, and we've, and we've done a, we've done a good job. And I think that's why we have over a hundred guys, right? Because we invested in those guys and those are the guys that came up with us. You know what I mean? You know, uh, there's a lot of agencies out there that are just, they're fight fighting agencies, right? They just, they put your name on an email list. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's great if that's what works for you. You know what I mean? But for some athletes, that's, that doesn't work for them. You know what I mean? They need, they need some attention. They need some, someone saying, Hey man, this is the reason why we're picking these fights for you or why we think you should take less money to fight this guy versus taking more money to fight that guy, um, you know, and be able to give those guys the explanations. I think there's so many guys right now, um, so many agencies out there that don't really give those explanations to guys because they don't have the time. And uh, fortunately for Jason and I, this is all we do. You know what I mean? We're not doing selling cars on the side or doing real estate or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I have time to speak to 40, 50 guys a day and tell them why, hey, this is why, why we're doing this and why, why we're making these moves. That's so awesome, man. And I know that you're also, like you said, you're always looking for talent that you can develop. So you're, you're looking at the guys that aren't even in mixed martial arts yet, right? I mean, you're looking at collegiate wrestling. And oh, by the way, just so I can make myself feel old, uh, your son is wrestling in college right now? Is, <laughs> is, is, am I accurate with that? Like, yeah. I remember yeah. – I remember this this man in like elementary school and yeah. now it's insane. Right. Yeah, I, I think I always have been looking at collegiate wrestling um and looking for athletes over there. Um, but it was hard to develop relationships with those guys because you know, being in college, they couldn't really talk to us too much, you know what I mean? Uh there wasn't a lot we could do for them. And then from there they were going on and and, and pursuing their Olympic dreams and stuff like that. So um, now with the opening of all these NIL deals, um, we're able to reach these guys at an earlier stage in their career, develop a relationship with them, offer protection in a way too, because some of these guys don't know what they're signing, right? They're signing deals and, and signing their, uh, their image and likeness away forever, you know what I mean, for, for a $50 deal, and they have no idea what they're, what they're, what they're signing. So being able to um, step in, give these guys that protection now, and start their crossover with mixed martial arts so much earlier, right? We're doing camp series now where we're going to have our athletes do summer camps over the, over the years, but we're putting them in strategic places where now our high-end wrestling guys are going to be able to cross-train at certain mixed martial arts gyms, you know what I mean, to see, hey, this is something that I want to pursue or this is not something that I want to pursue, you know what I mean? But just giving a lot of those guys those opportunities to see that and start feeling it at an early age, getting some of that cross-training early on. But most importantly, 
in anything, developing a relationship. This is the relationship business, you know? So we're developing relationships with top tier athletes now coming right out of high school and, and we're able to help these guys and, and get them to the next level in the sport. It's so awesome to see. And Jeremy, you tell me because I I deal with more of the athletes than the coaches, but you know, there was a day you talk about, you know, early days, the collegiate wrestling programs, like the coaches, you know, they shunned mixed martial arts, right? They didn't want to talk about it. It seems to me now, you know, obviously I was, I was honored to be a part of a collegiate wrestling event on UFC fight pass and and get to talk to, it seems to me now that the, the wrestling community is understanding like, Hey, those MMA guys, it's not a bad place. It's not the enemy. Like we don't need to stay away from them. In fact, this is a hell of an option for our athletes because elite level wrestlers are in a great starting position. So from your point of view, does it seem like the community is really, you know, embracing mixed martial arts a lot more now? So I think early on where the trouble might've been a little bit is that the U S was really pushing to become a powerhouse at the Olympic level. Right. And now we've become one of those powerhouses. So now that conversation is, you know, Hey, we're not going to put all our eggs in the Olympic basket. Now we have these guys that are, that are, that are going to be the mainstays there, right? The Jordan Burroughs, the Dave Taylors, those guys, those are mainstays, right? So now those guys that are five and six on the ladder, let's push those guys towards MMA now. And I, and I think we're starting to be that second tier, um, where coaches are wanting to send their guys that want to do that, want to do that stuff, you know? So um, I feel like that's kind of what that transition has been, you know? And now with the NIL deals, being able to talk to coaches and say, Hey, we aren't scumbags that are just trying to look as soon as your guy graduates, take them out of your program. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these guys rely on those guys that graduate from the program to stay there, you know, uh, train with their team for the Olympics and things like that. But what it does is it helps their program kind of continue to have high, high level athletes in the program that makes their other guys better, you know? And I don't think we're not looking to take, uh, take guys away from, from wrestling. We want to give them a place um, once they're finished wrestling that they're going to able to come to, but we've, we've built a relationship during that time frame. That's awesome, man. Well, Jeremy, dude, I'm, I'm I'm so happy to to see your continued success, man. And 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 the way people talk about you behind the scenes, man. I know you don't always get to hear that, but much respected, man. A, a lot of love for what you do out there. And I guess the last thing I would ask you is, you know, I, I know how many athletes you guys represent. I know how much you guys do. I mean, if there's an up and coming fighter that says, "Hey, that seems like the right place for me," like, can they reach out to you, or are you like too busy? Is it like, dude, I ain't no. got time to talk to you right now? Like, what what, what can somebody do? I'm never I'm never too busy to have a conversation with somebody, especially an athlete that's looking to 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 get to the next level, whether they sign with me or not. There's plenty of guys that never that never signed and and I continue to help them to this day because I just really love seeing guys get to the next level. Like that is my that you know, I don't do any drugs, I don't drink, I don't do anything else. That's my high. You know what I mean? Like, man, watching a guy like Alex Press from fight zero all the way to fighting for a for a world title. Fight you know the Ricky, the Ricky Simone's fight zero all the way to you know being being a, a top ten type guy. You know what I mean? So I, I love those types of things, man. So any guys that are interested, you know, I'm I'm down to hear it. I love it, man. And boy, I tell you, I that say I love you know calling guys fights at the regional level and then seeing chase their passion on up to the yes. top. I mean, it's just. It's so cool to see people living their dream and chasing it. Then, uh, 
I mean, you didn't even know you had this dream, Jeremy. And then through a, <laughs> exactly. through a, through a, through a bizarre turn of events, here you are at MMA Life. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, and it's the, again, I always preach to people, man, this is the relationship business. And when you form those relationships with people, it makes going to those events that much sweeter. You know what I mean? Uh, I never I never have a day where I'm like, man, I don't want to get out of bed and, and do this. I'm always, boom, out of bed, ready to go on the computer, searching, watching, you know, building, trying to build careers and stuff like that. So, you know, those are the types of people you want in your corner, obviously, right? Because they, they love and care about you. You know what I mean? If you're not in the back shedding tears with your guys after they lose, then, then you're not you're not in this sport for the right reasons, I believe. Mm, that's so well said. Awesome. Jerry, man, congrats on everything and congrats on what's still to come. You guys are building an amazing organization over there at Iridium and uh, just friend to friend, man to man, dude. I'm happy to see what, uh, what you've been able to accomplish and wish you nothing but the best moving forward. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. All right, that was Jeremy Lucha of Iridium Sports Agency. Uh, like I said, I just a, a guy that man I've I've worked alongside of for many years now, and I think has a real passion for it. And I think it comes across in what he's talking about, and I just love hearing about the business side of things from people that are actually out there doing it and what their approach is. And I thought some of his advice. Um, to young fighters is is just so spot on, and that that organization, especially Iridium, has done a phenomenal job of kind of getting people to that next level. You know what I mean? It's one of the biggest groups out there for sure, but but they've really done a good job of kind of grassroots identifying athletes and getting them all the way to the UFC and other major promotions levels. So uh, anyway, I had a chance to talk to him, and I, I thought I'd share that with you because again, it's it's kind of a different side of things. So uh, all right, cold coffee. Uh, it's been a just a awful start to 2023 it just has to it has to get better i believe it's going to get better um there's a lot going on man you know uh you know one championship of course we've talked about the moves that they've been making you know they've uh you know they're going to make their u.s debut which i think is is huge obviously the amazon prime thing continues to be big here in north america yeah. uh, you got the pfl that's going to launch uh the challenger series again here very soon so i mean normally we think about having to wait until later in the year but i mean they're about to come hot and heavy with those challenger series cards here in just a couple of weeks uh the ufc is getting back to it bellator is going to network television uh you know there's been discussions for a while that maybe they could potentially change ownership there's been discussions that maybe they could change up their tv deal which um don't want to take a shot at showtime but it's, i would love to see bellator maybe get on something a little yeah. bit more how many networks have we seen them on a lot so a lot. many a lot I, it's like a yearly thing it feels i mean it's, it's crazy when you think I mean, they started on uh, espn deportes back in the day oh, when wow. you think about really going into it but yeah i, I would love to see them not hey, behind pasta. the premium paywall channel man i, I just believe and again yeah. It's that double-edged sword, right? Because Showtime, I mean, it's all under the same family, but the the you know the economic show that the money moves from here to there, so you need yeah. that. But you know, I, I just I think the viewership on some of these other platforms would be better for them. Um, you know, I don't know that's necessarily a full-time premium cable, but listen, they got that changing, and they're doing a big show in LA here in February, and. Um, I don't think I'll be there. There's a lot of good things to look at. Yeah, I don't think I'll be there. Hmm. I think I think I might make the drive out there. Oh, you're gonna cover MMA? <laughs> <laughs> you're actually gonna go on site? Uh, you're actually gonna go on site? Touche, yeah. sir. Wow, Too 2023 is looking up. Touche. I thought you got rid of that in 2022. That's uh, close enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll make it down there for a little bit. Touche. I'll be at the USC Apex next <laughs> you're week. Like, you're like, I can go out there during the day. I can come back and then hop on a plane to go 
do commentary somewhere. I mean, look, if a commentary gig shows up, I, I will. Have, I will say, I'll, I'll just tease it. I, I'm not going to be the one to make the formal announcement, but contracts are in place. Travel's already been booked. Uh, I, I do have a another brand uh, organization that I'll be working with in 2023. So um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'll let them make the official announcement, but um, I'm excited to go do this. And, wow, and once, so it's, once it's all official, CFFC, we can talk about it. LFC, and then some other C. Fury Professional Grappling. Oh, yeah. I guess I, yeah, I guess I kind of. Hopefully, maybe some collegiate wrestling. Trying to do a few more of those this year. Jeez. I mean, you know. I'm trying. I'm trying to shift over to that John side. John Morgan of has not is not going to work any UFC events on the ground. This I, year. I mean, if they're in Vegas, I'll be there. <laughs> as long as I don't have a commentary gig going. Uh, listen, uh, yes. As our careers continue to change and transform, uh, if you like what you're listening to, do us a favor: log in, rate us, review us. Uh, certainly appreciate the feedback. Always, if you want to step your game up to the next level, uh, head on over to Patreon.com/slash The MMA Roadshow, exclusive home of the and a half episodes mm-hmm. uh, where we recap each and every UFC. And now that we've this break is almost over it's time to get back to the and a half episodes and of course uh we try to be a little bit more involved with that community over there and share some yeah. of our personal things and all that so you know appreciate each and every supporter over you there. know and then this year you know i'm ready to start working on my dynasty of working on the third mma junkie staff pick <sighs> I, they really time. surprised me actually yesterday uh they sent out a little tweet but it's funny it went into our social media chat they're like Go to Fun Graphic coming out, and I'm thinking like, oh man, what is this gonna be? What is this gonna be? And then they really surprised me, so they 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 uh, put it out there that I was the two time first first two time winner, I believe. So we started picking in two, late 2011. So we were purchased. Actually, it might have been 2000. I don't think we did because we were purchased by Gannett in 2011. It's easy to remember because the date that we signed the paperwork yeah. was 11 11 11. So it was super easy, November 11th, 2011. Um, and I think they made us start doing picks. And I will say, I'll be honest with you, they made us start doing picks. Like, yeah. me and Dan Stupp never wanted to do picks. We were just like, hey, man, you know, it's, it's not really necessary. And yeah. then they were like, no, you got to do picks. And I think, so I think 2012 was the year we started doing picks. And until this year, there had never been a two-time winner of the MMA Junkie Staff Picks until cold coffee got it done i'm telling you and then they put that tweet out and it's funny and then anik laid in and i didn't even think about that he said i was 100 picks over 500 percent. pretty solid that's solid that's solid i mean listen every year if, if if i go back to my you know i picked obviously from 2012 to 2022 yeah i think i i, I counted it out before i left because i was kind of curious as i was leaving i was like let me get all these but i still have access to the uh to the to the documents and uh, it totaled out to like sixty-five and a half percent over the course killer. over the course of ten years. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Which I would think, from a gambling perspective, put, could be probable. That's but here, pretty we, good. but here we go back to the story of I've never felt comfortable gambling because yeah. I always was like, this seems like a moral issue to me that a journalist shouldn't necessarily. Not because I felt it was a moral issue, but just because like I then knew there was no way I could come be unbiased about what I saw because yeah. like my money's invested in it like yeah. I now have a vested interest in this yeah um, and I never did it and now of course never once again as I said before I'll just claim you know not claim ignorance I'll, I'll admit ignorance never realizing there was a thing that was like if you have non-public information yeah you are not legally allowed to bet on fights I just thought that was always bro you got better sources than most so yeah. you know what I mean if you heard some stuff t- Tell the line makers they better get the same sources you do. You know what I mean? So, but man, all that story is going to continue to unfold in 2023, of course. But all that aside, you weren't betting. You were just putting your reputation on the line, just making these the picks, line. 
telling you. Two-time champion. It's funny because uh, after Anik uh, re- responded to I think I got like 100 new followers. Which wow. for me is like that's normally like five years worth of new followers. <laughs> 100 w- followers. In wait one until list. the first time they give a show and hear your analysis and you're like, uh-huh, that's why I picked them. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you pick that one female fight? Oh, that was my <laughs> They're yeah. like, this if, is the dude we're yeah, following. If, if, you guys, <laughs> if you followed me for your gambling picks, it's probably not the smartest move. <laughs> I mean, unless you granted, want my purview. You picks. have a track record of success. It's <laughs> just true. you. If you really dive into the process, you might like the amount of time that Cole <laughs> Coffee spends breaking down film versus the amount of time Dan Tom does. There's probably a minor difference in process. There's a, there's a slight, slightly different, uh, <laughs> slightly different, but. Hey, I mean, everybody's got their winning ways. You know? uh, I love it, man. I love it. Well, congratulations to you. And now, I dude, that. I mean, you could go for the back-to-back. You could go for the first three-time winner. For, I'm do, both. Dynasty. Both. Dynasty, Dynasty time. being built Let's here. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> I love, well, listen, it's still gray and cold outside. Yeah. But somehow I have found a way to not be in such a gloomy place right now. I That's believe 2023 is going to be looking up. Yes. And uh, we did start gloomy. Now it's uh, now I'm now I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling better now. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better now. We talked it all out. It was a good therapy <laughs> session. We appreciate you joining in. Hopefully it helped you as all as well. Hopefully this year improves. And thanks for listening.